podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by We Are West Ham, James Jones, Will Pugh. They are in the studio, and I've got to say, before we start, they are not happy with me. I thought we was all friends. I thought it was all going swimmingly. But before the show, I did speak a little bit about the game, and I might have not been too friendly about West Ham's opening day performance. But I've got my reasons why, and it's not from a from a negative point of West Ham I got a soft spot for him I was very disappointed on the whole with the performance but I know we're going to talk about it of course the game was littered with VAR we're going to be talking about that how the new boys fitted in and of course a little look to the game on the weekend against Brighton but we have to start obviously at the top James and Will good to have you here West Ham Man City 5-0 where do we start? Well we start with <laughs> last week's presenter saying Will, oh, I don't know why it is that you write games off like this. You're supposed to be a real football fan. How can you just, you know, write games off going in and not caring? Well, this is why, Charlie, we just lost 5-0 at home to how, Manchester City. How do you sleep at night, Charlie, saying that sort of stuff? and then On Easy. air as well. I People just, listen to this. I watch a bit of telly and then <laughs> might read a book, might see a bit of Twitter and go to bed. I no, sleep yeah. fairly no quite con- easy. No conscience, James. Yeah, no, That's no, what he meant. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, if I, if I can defend what Will has just said, cool. one, that doesn't sound nothing like That was a like class impression. Terrible yeah. impression. Class impression. I, I'm glad you're on radio because the acting career is over before it started. <laughs> Secondly, I didn't say real football fan. I just said, I've kind of bought into this West Ham big club mentality, saying it's the strongest team. Man City, never an easy task. They are the champions. I wasn't saying that West Ham were going to go and turn them over and get the three points, but I just felt like more of a fight. And I know the scoreline maybe flattered them somewhat, but it just felt like after 2-0 down, West Ham kind of a little bit rolled over. That's what it felt like for me. And even the fans celebrating the no VAR, I was like, we just, I just wanted a little bit more. So you are going to celebrate the no VAR goals, obviously. Well, I was, was, was going to say on that. Go I mean, being there, first game I've ever been to a VAR. Um, and, you know, I've got so many things to say about it. Um, some of those things probably aren't aren't safe for, for radio. But the, the, whole, the whole celebrating the VAR thing was... It lifted the ground. It lifted the fans. It lifted the players for, what, 10 minutes until City decide <laughs> they want to score another goal. Because that's what they do. They just, oh, we'll score, we'll get another mm. one now. Um and I think that that could be a good thing throughout the season. I was talking to a guy in the pub after who was trying to convince me that VAR is going to be a good thing because I was livid after the game about VAR. I thought it ruined the spectacle a little bit. Um, but I, I, do, I do, I make him right. I think I think if you've got a decision that, that you think has gone against you and then suddenly it's overruled because of VAR, the fans are on their feet, they're buzzing. The players, quite clearly, West Ham players for 10 minutes after that decision... We're on it. They're attacking City. That you know, we had a chance to score one or two goals. So if if you get that, so you know, two or three times over the season, you're gonna, be, you know, you're not gonna play a harder team 
than City. So against a, a, a worse off team, you might score in that 10 minutes where you're a little bit more lifted. And suddenly you lifted again because you scored. So I think it could work in our favour. But VAR, <laughs> I wash my hands of it. You, right, well, you wash your hands of it. And uh, James, you actually tweeted. I've I been did, watching I did you. Tweet. Oh, and thanks, I want to ask you about this. He says, James Jones at by James Jones. First game I've been to with VAR and I'm now questioning why we still have referees. Decisions are made for them. No consistency either. Failing the builder up to their fifth wasn't even looked at. So let's talk about that. Well, a minute. Hang on. How many spelling mistakes were there first? That's when you can gauge how many beers you'd had when that Listen, tweet we're all there. friends here. <laughs> I'll never pick you up on I, that, James. I, no, I, I read that tweet back the following morning. I was so impressed. I'd had about nine beers by then. <laughs> right? And I, it was it was perfect. I've got to say, it perfect. was... It must admit, when, was good, when, James. When I read it, I was like, he's he's got his missus to type this out for him. <laughs> he said, Lucy, this is what I want to say. <laughs> I'm a professional. I'm a professional. James, just before we go any further, because we are talking football, this is Love Sport Radio, can we talk about that Will has put a tissue in his headphones and I don't quite know what's going on? I was just wondering about that. That's the connection. See, I'm such a broadcasting professional that I've managed to pull off this manoeuvre to make sure my headphones work without anyone even Again, knowing. Again, your fashion sense is... Horrific. <laughs> this wasn't a fashion choice. This is a technical procedure that I had to undertake while we were on air, and no one noticed until you said that. But now look, I'm going to get a photo. I, no, I noticed. I just didn't. I just didn't want to question your madness. <laughs> I mean, that, none of the people that matter, i.e., the listeners, not us three Herberts in the studio. <laughs> it's going to be tweeted out. I will get a photo. We will be able to see it on Lost Book Radio Twitter, and we can see what you think. You can vote if it's good. Let's get back to VAR then, because there was a lot of decisions in this game. Penalties retaken, goals overturned. Where do we start? How do we feel about VAR? Firstly. Well, right. Do you want me to go first, James? You go first. You've laid out your little that that little intro you just done. There was your only positive thing to say. I about I still it, have a it? couple of things to say say about it, um, but I'll let you go first. Right. Will you can say your thing, Charlie? VAR, spot on. Absolutely, what we were all after in the first place. Raheem Sterling. Oh, all right. A little bit awkward because it was, pr- pr- but you know, probably the tightest call you are going to ever get with VAR. You know, however, it was it was offside. No, so he would he was off the roll say yeah. that's it exactly yeah. yeah the 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 goal at Sterling when he lobs it over Fabianski after that what an outstanding goal that was really like you know class operation as I was watching I was thinking nah bad don't worry that'll be ruled off that was offside wasn't ruled off and you go oh, fair play what a goal it was just so nice albeit we got thumped five nil came away from that the decisions were right all you know albeit the Took a little bit of a long time, and the Sterling one, I feel it's unfortunate that happened because if you'd had a situation where, say, Sterling was a yard offside, then almost clearly offside, where a situation the James Milner at London Stadium, which I'll last season, which I'll hark on about forever, mm. that sort of thing. If you'd had one of them and a goal had been overturned using VAR like that, everyone would have been like, Oh, actually, yeah, no, this is pretty good, this. But because it was as part of a 5 0 game and because it was a really close one, those that Raheem Sterling's armpit is going to be one of those things where situations like that that happen this season, that is going to be, they're the sort of ones that are going to make people go, I hate VAR. If he was a yard and a half offside or a yard offside and he'd put the ball in and then it had been overturned in a game that was a little bit closer and perhaps that it was the winner by a yard that sometimes would have been got given and VARs overturned it. Everyone has a different conversation about it afterwards. But all in all, implementation aside, obviously there's there's still work to be done on that and the time it takes. But once again, VAR isn't the problem here. It's the rules of the game that need looking at, not VAR. 
I mean, I, I do get that, and I, w- I, w- I want to state that I'm not against VAR. I mean, I called for it for, for many years, and you know, I'm glad we've got it now. I just felt that, given that that was my first game there, and it just it completely ruined the spectacle for me because I was so happy to have Premier League back. You know, and I knew that we weren't going to win. We spoke about it last week. We were expecting to get back. You know, and five nil. I mean, I, you know, it, it was fine, but that goal that was disallowed took five minutes to decide that. Five minutes, and no one knew what was going on on the ground. And then once they made the decision, they just put a screenshot up, and it still even then we were like, "What? What have they seen that's offside?" Um, and then the fifth goal, and I'm not saying that this is the reason why we lost because it's not. But the fifth goal, there was a clear and obvious foul in the build-up. We were in possession, and Haller's been elbowed off the ball by I think it was Rodri or <laughs> something. You're picking it up on purpose now, right? It, that is a clear and obvious mistake by the referee because he's not spotted a foul. They didn't even look at that. They looked at every other, they looked at the, the uh, uh, Gabriel Jesus's goal at the first half. You saw it flash up on the screen, checking goal. Ten seconds later, fine. That's fine. But then if you're going to check that goal, then why aren't you checking the fifth goal when you know there was a clear and obvious foul? But you've I'm decided it's clear and obvious, haven't you? It, it was. It you have decided. James yeah, Jones has decided that. You said to me in. Earlier on, yeah. you said to me when I said, "Oh, that fifth goal," and you went, "It was a foul." So you, even you know it was a foul. But, but in my opinion, it's a foul. But with fouls, they're still going to be subjective, aren't they? So, yeah? so, so that so, foul so, so that are, you've called it on so are the penalties that they then give through VAR because VAR says they're going to give penalties. Not, not always, not for handballs, so, not for offsides, not for throwings, goal balls that have gone over the line. Some things are black and white, aren't they? But they, they're giving penalties for subjectiveness, right? You're still using VAR to decide whether a player's been fouled or dived. So why aren't they using that outfield as well? That's my pro- that's my point. And but they they didn't even look at it. They didn't go okay. Well. He got barged off the ball there. Was it legal? Was it illegal? They would have looked at that and gone, "Yeah." I mean, that was. I mean, he got almost. He almost died. So, <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, the fact that I don't care whether they they looked at it and decided that okay, it weren't a foul. I don't. I don't care. The fact is, they didn't look at it. How do you know? You that they they might not because have just said anything if, out loud. Goal. They it flashed up on the screen. Checking goal. Mm. So clearly, they were showing fans that they were checking every goal. The fact they didn't do that for the fifth goal tells me they didn't check that fifth goal. Well, and for the, me, that's a problem. In the game, James, there were only seven VAR checks. We've got the stats afterwards. Only, only. seven VAR checks only. <laughs> only in the game. I'll say that. In but, an hour but, and a half. That's not many. Yeah. Yeah, five of those obviously were the goal because the, the goal is obviously checked all the time. Two overturned decisions were the penalty. So maybe James is right. But if we check every decision, obviously it becomes to the question that you did tweet, James. Are referees just going to become redundant? Well, it was quite clear that, you know, Mike Dean's a bit of a showman anyway. We all know that. He's a bit of a showman. Um, and it was quite clear that even he really didn't have a lot of control over what was going on. Um, because everything he, he was constantly had his, his mm. hand to his ear going you know players were going out to him going hang on mate and he was going I'm just I'm listening I'm listening so he'd lost complete control of the game because the VAR guys were making decisions for him and it made me think well what's the point of having having a, a middleman in there looking after the players when, when there's people in his ear going no you got to make that decision you got to make this decision that weren't a goal I mean I get that it's a good thing in the long run but on Saturday I felt that it really made me wonder whether we've done the right thing in getting it in. 
So how do we not lose it then as a spectacle? Because obviously the Wolves manager has come out. He said, we're ruining the game here. We have to watch. We're, you know, it's, we're, we're losing the spectacle because fans don't know whether to celebrate now because we're waiting on a VAR check. And I mentioned earlier when you celebrated when it wasn't a goal for VAR. Not that I have a problem. You would, especially if you're playing a rival, you would celebrate almost taunt the other fans. But it almost feels that that moment of euphoria is being lost because we're waiting. And you also, Will, said Sterling's goal to the letter of the law. He was offside. But what happened to the advantage for the striker if we're talking millimetres we're talking an armpit where was the advantage of a striker there how can we ever know where that one moment is paused and where he set off it's very difficult isn't it you say some are black and white but that is a massive grey area surely right well first thing the change the rule then change the rule to make it that you have to have daylight between two players maybe just look at the rule not the not the system that's making it easier to make decisions based yeah, on the yeah, set of I rules agree with that. so let's do that first of all the second point on the well, just one thing to just hark back quickly what you said about Mike Dean and he's always in his earpiece. What I feel like is happening at the moment, not just from James, but everyone who's sort of anti-VAR at the moment. I feel like it's everyone's having it's like having a go at a seventeen-year-old just turned seventeen. They jump in the car to have their first driving lesson, and it's almost like everyone's having a pop at them after their first lesson why they can't drive up and down the motorway already. It's, it's like you've got to give this system a time to breathe and the people who are using it, the referees on the pitch have never done it before, the VAR officials have never done it before, linesmen, the fourth officials, no one's ever done it before, the fans haven't, the managers, the players, it's new for everyone. So shouting at the officials who are trying to implement this new thing at this stage now I think is wrong. You've got to give it time to, to breathe, grow and improve and hopefully next season it'll be better than it is this season and the season after that it'll be better again. And the euphoria thing that you mentioned there, I, I had an intriguing thing about this with me and James were chatting about it briefly earlier on. And my opinion on it is that, yeah, I, I accept that there might be a, a slight uh, reduction, if you like, in that euphoric moment. But if you what what I think is important and what I why I'm such a fan of it is what it takes away. Uh, you've got to focus on that. And by that, I mean... For every little unit of euphoria that you might lose out because you have to wait uh, 10 seconds or whatever just to double-check that a goal is a goal, the amount of times that I've watched West Ham and I remember the Chelsea away game, Diego Costa, who's already on a yellow card, he then crocked Adrian and like the most blatant yellow card you've ever seen, probably should have been a straight red. The referee completely ignores it, and then 10 minutes later he scores the equaliser. No, scores the winner. winner, Yeah, yeah, scores the winner for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Those sort of things, the the amount of absolute heartache that it's going to take out the game for me watching it, massive offside, James Milner, miles offside for Liverpool last season, they get you know then they get points on the board that they shouldn't have done. We lose out on points. The massive benefit of that and the negative is going to wipe out. They're going to be way better for me than any having to wait for ten seconds or so just to check that a goal is a goal. I do agree, although VAR is still in its infancy. A lot of teething problems still to be accounted for. It will only get better as time goes on. We haven't really spoke about the game, but next up we're talking to Sam Incasol, West Ham correspondent for Football.London, to see if he agrees with me or Will and James. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and James Jones in the studio. We, of course, were talking Man City, West Ham 5-0 on the weekend, the Premiership has kicked off and obviously all the VAR 
controversy surrounding it still in its early stages. We're now delighted to say that we are joined by Sam Incasol, West Ham correspondent for Football.London. Sam, thank you for joining us. Obviously not the best start for West Ham on the weekend, but how impressed or unimpressed were you with West Ham's performance? Um, I was impressed with the first 25 minutes or so. Um, the, West Ham really took the game to Man City, actually, and it looked really good. Uh, it, it kind of... Um, Led on from last season, where they seemed to play well against the against the bigger sides, especially in the top six. But once um, once Man City took the lead through Gabriel Jesus, then West Ham's heads dropped, and we saw that a lot last season as well. That once they went behind, uh, they struggled to get back into games, or they simply took too long to get going. And uh, and there was only really one result uh, coming from um, after that first goal. I, did I, did we expect West Ham to, to lose the game? Maybe so, but by that uh, scoreline, 5-0, I thought it might have been a little bit closer than that. I mean, the second half was a was a bit of a walkover, in all honesty, and it wasn't. Uh, but then again, you are playing the best uh, team in arguably in the world, uh, one of the best squads we've ever seen assembled with the best manager in the world. So maybe we shouldn't look into it too much. And uh, the season starts this weekend, shall we say. <laughs> Sam, I totally agree on that point. Just quickly, let's get it out of the way quickly because I'm sure you'll be talking about it all season. <laughs> VAR generally and VAR in that game, what do you think? I mean, it, it's, it's, different. it's difficult for me to, to really pass judgment on it because being in the press box, we actually had the benefit of the replays that were being shown um, from the broadcast. Whereas uh, the fans in the stadium, as, as far as I'm aware, uh, were not until the decision had actually been made. I think after the um, Sterling goal, which was offside by his armpit, which has obviously done the rounds uh, in the last few days. I think they showed that on the big screen, if I'm wrong. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, sorry, but I think they showed that on the screen. Whereas, I uh, say, for any other decisions, we had them all uh, relayed to us so we could see, well, yeah, he's going to rule that out for offside or no, that's definitely not offside. Look, it's a work in progress. There's going to be teething problems. I was actually... Relatively, I was, I'm not to say pleased. I was quite surprised at, at, the, at how quickly the decisions were made. I remember in the World Cup, they seemed to take forever, whereas this time they seemed to not take as long. Of course, there was quite a, a, a fair stoppage of a minute or so, sometimes a couple of minutes, but they seemed to come to the decision. And I think most importantly, they came to the correct decision as well, which I think is, is what we want to see from VAR. Yeah, Will's happy with that answer, <laughs> Sam. He's, he's all for VAR. <laughs> So am I. No, so am I. I'm absolutely for VAR because I think it's important to get these decisions right. And obviously, the game, of the, uh, the flow of the game, is going to be disrupted. Completely understand the other side of the, of the fence, of course. Yeah, back to the football, though, Sam. I mean, were you quite happy with the way that Pellegrini lined his, his starting eleven up? I mean, I was initially I was quite surprised to see Fornells not in the starting eleven, but then sort of thought, well, you know, you can't really go too attacking against the City side, particularly given that they love scoring goals at London Stadium. Were you surprised to see Fornells on the bench, and were you quite pleased with the way that he set up and the way the team generally, you know, approached the game? I think he got it. He did get it right in the team selection with having Mikel Antonio in the side instead of Fornells, because you do need um, that, that so someone that can track back if necessary. Even though he uh, left Aaron Cresswell horribly exposed for the first goal, um, but I think it did make sense. It was only a surprise in that because Mikel Antonio had been playing as a striker in pre-season, so he mm. didn't. We didn't really see him playing back on that on that wing role, which is where he obviously usually operates when he's not been playing right back, which thankfully is well in the past. Um, so yeah, I was a bit I was I was surprised, but not surprised at the same time. And that's a, that sounds, sounds really terrible, but it would be nice to have seen four hours, and I do think four hours will start this weekend at, at Brighton. I think Pellegrini is going to revert to type to what we saw in those last three pre-season friendlies where he played that that quartet of 
Wilshire, Anderson, um, Lanzini, and Fornau is obviously injury dependent, of course. But um, I think he'll, he'll he'll go for the jugular a bit more this weekend. Just had to kind of play it a little bit safe against City, as you rightly said. Sam, just an area of the team that I've sort of been quite intrigued to see what happens over the whole summer, as as I'm sure most of the fans have. Obviously, up front, we've we've bought Haller in, which is an absolutely outstanding signing. We it's one we needed to do as well. It it wasn't it wasn't like oh well well done West Ham, yeah, that's, that's really good. It was like easy for the layman to see that West Ham were desperate for a centre forward. I've been really worried all summer, and and still am a little bit now with the fact that Javier Hernandez, who in my opinion clearly doesn't fit into the system in the way that Pellegrini wants to play. When the whole debacle came out about him changing his shirt number and getting the number nine shirt and, you know, all these positive comments about Hernandez's involvement. I, of a cynical nature, just assume that it's just because he'd had a kid and he decided that now wasn't the right time to move on. But what what are your thoughts just on on, uh, on the football side? Obviously, we've had Albion and Aieti come in as well, so which, which gave me a little bit of a boost. What are your thoughts on the Hernandez situation as a whole, especially given that he's, you know, still one of the highest earners at the club and maybe the third choice striker? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I, you, you say you were cynical about him having a having a child and not necessarily needing needing to leave, but I don't think it's too cynical uh, at all. I think it, it, in terms of you're just starting a new family, his first child and whatever, then and you want them to be settled. So I, I can completely understand that point of view. Uh, I think a Jesse is going to obviously take some time to adapt, so I don't think he'll be second choice striker for now. I still think he'll be uh, he'll be behind Hernandez in the pecking order. We'll see Hernandez come off the bench more often than not, obviously. Um, Haller, obviously, or was, sorry, Allaire, sorry, let's get it right, uh, <laughs> is, is, is the number one. I've been called up on that before. Allaire is the, Allaire is the number one. With Hernandez, I think he, 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 the whole number nine thing, if Sebastian Allaire had arrived earlier, he'd have probably been given the number nine, I would have thought. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure why West Ham gave him the number nine. I thought he, he might as well just start with the 17, but maybe we're reading too much into something far too little, too little there. Um, and you're right, he doesn't really fit in to the Pellegrini system unless he, unless they're chasing a game. If West Ham are chasing a game, then Hernandez is ideal to bring on because West Ham will start getting the ball a lot wider, a lot quicker and get crosses into the box. And that's obviously where Hernandez excels. Whereas uh, from the start, as we saw against City, it wasn't necessarily long balls up to Haller, but he is able to hold the ball up into feet in particular. He's got a really good first touch is what's impressed me the most about him at the weekend. Um so yeah, I mean Hernandez is, is quite clearly the second choice striker. There's not going to be—I can't see Pellegrini playing two strikers at any stage this season. Um, and obviously Hernandez is out of contract at the end of this coming season, so I'll be very surprised. They might even shop him around in January just to see what happens and see if they can get any any value back on him. Sam, speaking of Allah, I mean, I mean, it sounds really weird pronouncing his name like that. Um, but yeah, I oh, know uh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, speaking of uh, Haller, I'll just call him Haller. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I thought he was very, very good at the weekend. I thought, you know, given the circumstances, and he, he, he did sort of... I mean, I can't believe those quotes that came out from him were actually real. Um, when he said, you know, it was a, you know, the club paid all that money for him and he's got to start, like, start against City. But I thought he was very, very good. And I'm, I'm quite, you know, I feel really, really confident that he's, he's the player, that he's the striker that could eventually score 15, 20 goals for West Ham. Someone that, a, something a striker hasn't done for, what, 15 years or so. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and, and it's not just his goal-scoring prowess, which we saw at, at Eintracht Frankfurt over the last couple of years and Utrecht before that. It's the way he brought others in yeah. to the game, I think, as well. 
And when you've got such an array of attacking midfielders that Pellegrini has at his disposal in four hours in, in Lanzini, maybe to a lesser extent Wilshere because we've seen him playing a little bit deeper this um, in pre-season, I think that's going to be key as well. He's going to probably end up getting quite a few assists, mm. I'd have thought. Um, even even in the Fulham game, the very first one that he played in pre-season, he linked up with four hours within 30 seconds. They played a quick one-two and then they were in. Uh, it just there was just a slightly overhit pass from four hours towards Anderson. I think that is an underrated part of Haller's game. Sorry, Allaire's game. Um, <laughs> and if you look at Luka Jovic last season at Frankfurt, he scored a ton of goals. A lot of them down to to, to his partnership with Haller. Um, so I still, I'm, see, I'm saying Haller now. Um, so it's. I think he's gonna he's gonna bring he, he's a great weapon for for Pellegrini to have and he's not a kind of striker that you have to punt long balls to just to try and get him involved in the game. He's not Andy Carroll. Um, he's I think he's in everything that maybe West Ham were hoping that they would get with Andy Carroll, but just a little bit better and and less injuries. I'm really excited to see him, but I'm more excited about Fournals personally because I think he is, he is going to light up the Premier League when, when he gets a good run of games. Sam, you mentioned that the season starts now then. We're going to be talking a little bit about a Brighton preview later on in the show. But, but quickly, <laughs> what is your prediction for this weekend? Um, well, West Ham obviously haven't beaten Brighton since they got back into the Premier League. Uh, haven't won at the Amex. Either. I haven't really done very much at all. I've only drawn with them. I think it was the last, the last game I think at London Stadium. I think they drew with them, wasn't it? They've lost all the yeah. other three. Um, I can't. I can. I can see that changing this weekend. I think West Ham have got obviously a much better squad than the ones that they've taken down there previously, and off the back of an absolute shellacking that they got at the weekend from City, I think they are going to turn up. It just depends if Glenn Murray plays. If Glenn Murray <laughs> plays, then he's, then he's yeah. obviously going to. He's obviously going to score. So I mean, West Ham won't keep a clean sheet because he always does. But I do think West Ham will get a win this weekend. I think also they don't want to get bogged down like they did last season when obviously they lost the first four games. Yes, you've lost the first one, but try and get back on track quickly. And so, as I said earlier, I think Pellegrini's going to going to go for the kill and throw Arthur Masawaki in at left back as well, and go a bit all FIFA, a bit FIFA all out attack. Sam, we really appreciate you giving us some time. Sam Incasol there from Football.London, West Ham correspondent. Well, I just want to go back a little bit to the transfer window because the last time I spoke to you both, the transfer window was still open. You said West Ham needed a striker. You managed to get one in. There was a couple of signings after we last spoke. Were you pleased with West Ham's end to that transfer window and the business you'd done? Yeah, like I was saying to you, it was ideally I'd have liked to have seen two come in, but at least I'm just I'm really glad we've got one. Yeah, I'm you know hoping obviously we don't know too much about him. He has reasonable goal scoring record in Europe, which sometimes translates really well into the Premier League. Sometimes it doesn't, but yeah, I think it'll be certainly exciting to see him see him come into the team when he comes on. What impact he's going to have? But I think yeah, ultimately, as you look back at the transfer window, that. The, the signing of Holler and for now that's hopefully going to define our season so all good yeah I'm, I'm delighted I mean I don't I can't, I can't say that I know much about the uh, the new guy Ayeti but it's, it's a good addition you know he's a good squad player so you know we need another striker you know so Hernandez can, can leave you've been waiting for that for a while haven't you <laughs> yes um, <laughs> uh, I mean I've as everyone knows, I quite like Hernandez. He's a good option to have. I that free kick he took when he came on the weekend was oh, good, wasn't it? Yeah, that was good. It, it was. It was outstanding. Yeah, it hit Rosed. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a weird one because Lanzini and Creswell were both yeah. standing next to him. Man hasn't scored like, from outside the six-yard box and the twelve yeah, for about ever. fifteen years. Well, he's yeah. never scored in the Premier League from from outside the area. So, like, just just let the free kick. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but I still think it's a good option. But a Yeti, I think you know, as Sam quite rightly said, he's going to take him time to settle. But I think, you know, once he does and he gets a few minutes under his belt, 
I think it would be a good option to have to come on maybe alongside Haller late in the game or, or to replace him. I think yeah, it's a good option. Well, you did get some new boys in the transfer window. Next, we're going to be talking about how they're going to fit in with the ones you already brought in. And it's time to see if Will can get revenge on the West Ham quiz. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by We Are West Ham, James Jones and Will Pugh in the studio. Now, if I'm not mistaken, James, you might know more than me on this. Last week's quiz, you I think you managed to get the victory. It was a close one. Yeah, it was it was it was almost as convincing as City's win against West Ham, to be fair. Yeah, Three 0 wasn't it? Oh, it was a clean sheet. Yeah, it was a clean we, sheet. As we all know, if we'd had VAR, it wouldn't have been such a convincing victory, <laughs> oh. but we should do that. That's just a VAR, VAR for the, the quiz. quiz this year. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, right, I'll okay. I'll be the VAR. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. So you, <laughs> right, I'll just decide. All right. <laughs> well, talking of points scored as well, we are uh, in a fantasy league, the three of us. Will, I think you're bringing up the rear in the, at the bottom of the table. 50 I must, points, I yeah. must admit, yeah. Not I a good a, week. No, I had, a, I had a reasonable week. I'd you say reasonable. I'd, I'd Other words are, are available. But I'd, I'd re- I think the, the Love Sport Radio League that we are in is officially the highest quality league because <laughs> all the others I'm just bang average mid-table. So my, a lot of my actual mates obviously just know way less about football than we all do here, which is quite promising, I suppose, really, isn't it? You, <laughs> it's like you, backhanded you compliment, actually. You said actual mates, as in, like, <laughs> We're just we're not yeah. really mates. We're just people associates. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you noticed that because I didn't when he was saying friends, that. Though. But yeah, we're mates. We're, yeah. we're friends. Yeah. Oh, friends. Yeah, romance. Yeah, no? of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, Will, I never like to see you down for too long. You are getting a chance to get revenge, get pride back, get some points on the ball because it is time for the West Ham quiz. Here we go, James. It's tense. Here it is tense. Player number one. Clue number one. This player was part of the 2005 promotion team. Clue number two. His brother is also a professional footballer. Oh, they're psyching each other out. Clue number three. He's a centre back. Oh. Anton Ferdinand? No. It's close. It was not close, but I mean, it was a good chat. James Collins? No, I will move on. Clue number four. Left the club in 2006. Your final clue for this player. Never scored for the club. Mm. It's a tough one, that. That is a tough one. I think Andy Melville had already left by the time. Yeah, no, that was the first the promotion one, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm going to offer you the chance. Do you want to keep this in the bank and we move on? Yeah, like yeah we did we'll last take week. that one in the bank. Yeah, I've, right, got, okay. I've got a couple of ideas. I'm just weighing them up. There are four clues, just four clues on no, that five, one. five clues. Elliot Ward. That is correct. Oh. Now we believe. 1-0. He's James, back in the game. do you game. know what he does? Just quickly, he lures you in. Yeah, we'll keep it in the bank. Waste. The cogs are still turning and he throws yeah, you in and another guess. Yeah, I've lost the train of thought. Uh, don't, yeah, don't. No, goal stands, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Armpit offside. That was, quick, that, was, that was a quicker decision than what I did on Saturday. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> Can we go for a break? <laughs> clue, uh, player number two, clue number one. Two spells at the club. Quite loads of those. <laughs> <laughs> clue number two, midfielder. Clue number three, scored against West Ham whilst playing for Ipswich. Ooh, Ipswich, that's phone that I had one in my head and it's gone. Clue number four, shirt number five. Don Hutchinson. No. Oh, He was number four. Oh, he was number four, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, This is the clue 
quick on the buzzers here. Clue number five is now a manager. We should know this, shouldn't I we? I think you should, yeah, we should, should be getting this. this. Two spells at the club. Two spells. Play for Ipswich. Midfielder. War number five is now a manager. No time stamps on it. Uh, come on, keep it in the bank. Number three. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just don't have that, no, James. Or we'll just keep it in the bank. All right. Player number three. Clue number one. Frenchman. Oh, here we oh. go. Oh, Clue number two. Part of the 1998-1999 squad that got in Europe. Clue number three. Scored from a corner against Liverpool. Lauren Courtois? Incorrect. Oh, a shout, though. Cheers. <laughs> always, always played with a broken wrist. Yeah, he did, <laughs> Forever, yeah. yeah, yeah. Clue number four. Shirt number seven. Oh, oh, oh. Mark oh, Keller? That is correct. Oh, oh, that's correct. Nil. I think I've got the second one, though. Right, well, it's 3-2, James, so we can't have a reverse. Right. Do you want me to run through the clues again, or do you want to give it a shout? I'll give it a shout. Is it Lee Bowyer? It is! 2-1! Oh, I'll, I'll take the victory, though. Yeah, 2-1. That's two, one. solid there. That is this four, two, week's four, two. West Ham quiz. Lee four, two overall. did not know he played for Ipswich. Absolutely mm. blank, that I one. I was just thinking, war number five, Lee Bowyer did, and he is now manager. So I didn't care whether he played Ripswich or not. It was just a shout. <laughs> See, that's how, that's how niche I was expecting this quiz to be. Once I heard number five, all I could think was Vladimir Labent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> guess what you do, yeah. Well, it is 4-2 uh, overall, but in game weeks, it's one apiece. Oh, that's mm. and that you're going to like, clo- Will. You've closed the gap from 3-2, to two, so, you know, I'm, mm. I'm happy for you. <laughs> what, what, is, what are we going off in this competition, though? Who wins the most weeks or overall points? Because that's a tough decider. I think overall points is has got to be the one, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's far bit from me to be cynical, but, you know, you would say that. I, I'll be honest, <laughs> as impartial... That's what we agreed. I would say who wins the most weeks. If do you we think? Do, yeah, because it's wins. wins. It's wins that count, Three surely. points, yeah. Three points okay. in the bag. Uh, all right, okay. Well, let's do it differently then. So we have I think most po- weeks, but then points difference. Goal difference, yeah. No, yeah, I like think, goal difference. No, I think we do most weeks, and if you tie like you are now, we do points as a decider. Mm. Are yeah. you keeping the record of this? I was, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, I was just going to say, if this was a professional outfit, we might have decided this before the season started, wouldn't we? I thought we'd already <laughs> decided it, but you got, you, Charlie, you've yeah. got to keep a track I will. of it. I don't I will. trust Will to do it. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm my, in My charge. memory's terrible in my old age as well. So oh, I James, forget. I really thought you were going to do better this week. Not that I'm biased. Oh, I've got Lee Barry. I'm happy with that. My yeah, so, so what we told 4-2 overall to James. 4-2 overall. But 1-0 on game week. Only man has kept a clean sheet. Yeah, I feel like I'm back in the game. I was a bit yeah. nervous now. It's a bit like, so we lost 5 0 to City last week. I didn't have a good start to the season, but really come in my own. I think, you know, the season starts second week for me as well. So well, hopefully that, that comes true for West Ham as well. <laughs> exactly. Well, we are talking a little bit about the next game, Brian, but before that, and we know we said City, you know, 5 0, best team in Europe. That is a valid statement. Can we get a real picture of West Ham then after the next couple of games, uh, Watford and Brighton? Will we know more about this West Ham team after that? Yeah, we we said it last week, didn't we, when we were looking at the first sort of four, four to six fixtures. We said the City game's almost a free hit, you know, if we get something great, but we're not expecting to get anything. Um, and I think the back of everyone's head, we were, you know, we were half expecting a bit of a thumping because that's what happens against City at London Stadium. We got a thumping. Okay, fair enough. Um, and we said, you know... Th- the, the Brighton and the Watford game after that and then, you know, the Villa home game, they're the games where we're going to start seeing, you know, what West Ham are all about this year. And as Sam quite rightly said on the phone earlier that I think Pellegrini is going to go a little bit more attacking this weekend. He, he played 
you know, he didn't start four nows. We're expecting him to start the weekend. A little bit more creative going forward. Um, and I think we'll see the West Ham that we, sh- you know, everyone should expect to see uh, throughout the season at the weekend. It's just, I've just got, you know, this thing in the back of my head that Brighton are a bogey team. So it doesn't really matter, you know, whether we play a good team or not. I just don't think we're going to win. Just because I want to make it clear, I only get to see you two for an hour a week. I didn't want to it's offend you. quite tragic you. as well, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I didn't want to offend you with a Man City. Genuinely, just for any other West Ham fans who are listening, it's because listening to you previously when you've done this last season with Johnny Burrow and hearing you both talk and this season, when I gave West Ham, not that I've taken that away or put them on a pedestal, but I put you higher than that 5-0 performance. And I know it's one game and that doesn't. that's not a ref- true reflection on West Ham's performance and potential this season. But I really thought it would have been not necessarily closer because I think the scoreline did flatter them towards the end, but... Are just more of a fight and that's where I'm coming from because I think West Ham if we are going to break this top six you know we keep saying seventh, eighth we was in that battle and rather than the bottom half I just expected a little bit more I think the disappointment comes from the fact that you know we, we you know, we all said it we're going into this season with a lot of optimism we've done well in the transfer window mm. again two summers running the end of last season was strong we had a we had a nice year last year where we weren't battling relegation it was all really positive you know we got you know we've broken our transfer record for a striker you know it looks okay in pre-season like we can go into this game and, and half expect not to get back. We shouldn't, we shouldn't expect to get back against City this time because we're a better team. Um, so there was that optimism there. And then suddenly, after 90 minutes, everyone was like, oh, you know, same old West Ham. But I genuinely don't think that's the case. I think Man City are that good. And we know, it, we, OK, we think we're a good side and we are a good side. We know we're near Man City's level. You say... Sorry, but sorry. just quickly. Yeah, there, there will be other teams in the top six, as there were last season. You know, who will get slapped by Man City 100%. this year. Chelsea yeah. got battered by them 6-0 last year. No, so. no, I did say it won't be the first 5-0 that Man City had mm. out this season. And it could be a 6, it could be a 7. It was more of... I, I, I had such high expectations of West Ham rather than... I know what Man City bring. It was more from that angle, if that makes sense, Will. Yeah, I think we started well. Sorry, James. I just... It, I just... I honestly just... I was annoyed when it turned to five. I genuinely was thinking if we lose mm. three here, I will consider that a bit of a victory. But it, when it turned into five, I, honestly, and I know, and you know, I know we started out by saying uh, about you know I was coming, going at you about the the why you write me off. But mm. I, I don't know. Perhaps I'm just a bit more. I'm just a bit more steady and like realistic these days because mm. uh, it, it's just so emotionally draining to go into games thinking you've got a chance. So I'd rather just be a bit more realistic. We're up against the state. You've got two people who made their money selling underwear for a living up against the, the, the state of you know the UAE. It's just a different ball game, isn't it? Well, without being too stato, what is it about Man City in the London Stadium then? Because West Ham have conceded 99 goals in all competitions at the London Stadium. Man City have scored 22 of those goals despite only playing in five of the 68 matches there. That is only 7% of the games and yet they've got 22 of the goals. Yeah, I mean, we, we did say it was because you know they, they like a big you know big pitch to play their expansive attacking football on and I think that is that is an element of it. I think, I think only their second visit, you could really see that like, whenever the keeper had a goal kick, the two centre-halves were literally... I mean, back then you couldn't sit in the box but they were like, right next to the goalkeeper and then they play out from the back. Um, and we weren't doing anything to to really stop that. And so by the time they got to the midfield, we were completely shut off and, and they had all the space. And that's the way Man City play. Um, and, you know, before we had the carpet put in, the pitch looks a lot bigger, which works in City's favour. And I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I think there's something in that. Of course there is, yeah. It's um, mental, yeah. So the pitch does look bigger. I mean, everyone's um, slagged Bilic off for saying that, you know, the players feel as if the pitch is too big because, although the pitch isn't too big, because the green felt around it, it made it look big. Um 
And I did um and ah whether that was just an excuse. But, you know, when you're playing a team like Man City that love a big pitch, um, I think there was an element to that. Okay, we've got the claret carpet now and they still put five past us. But, you I know, do like that claret carpet, I must say. It is nice. But uh, one thing I'd like to say, uh, you know, Charlie, you said, you know, you're a little bit disappointed, you'd expect a little mm. bit more. But, you know... It, I don't think it makes much of a difference because we could have won this weekend and you, you could be going, oh, you know, that's exactly what I expect from West Ham. Mm. I mean, I'm really excited. Oh, I really can't wait to see where West Ham finish mm. up. It was a really convincing win against Brighton. So we played Brighton at the beginning of the season. We played Brighton this weekend, uh, City this weekend, and got beat by City 5 0 in the second game of the season. What would you be saying then? I think, you know, it doesn't matter when we played this Man City team. I still believe man, this Man City team would have beaten us comfortably. Whether it was five nil or three nil or four nil, like they would have beaten us comfortably because I think they're that far ahead of most most teams, maybe barring Liverpool. I think you're right, but I think I'm coming from the standpoint of we are invested, we have got high expectations. This is the strongest team West Ham have put out. We know that previously at the London Stadium it's been four nil, four one, five nil, five one, whatever. So this time I was like, all right, like you said, not three nil is a victory, but I was expecting just that little push on because we have got better now. So we're and the golf, not in that scoreline, it hasn't been closed. Does that make sense a little bit? No, nah, the 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 problem is, mate. The what well, you've you've got to look at the whole the whole situation and the Premier League as a whole now. And it is a sad indictment of the state of affairs and the state of English football. But the fact of the matter is, we will be one of sixteen teams, I would suggest, who are writing the games off against Man City and perhaps Liverpool this season. That, that's just mm. the 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 state of it. We you know we beat Arsenal last season. We beat Manchester United. Those are the games, and like James was saying, the games against the teams that we expect to beat, those are the games will be the telling of West Ham this season and not home or away to Man City or Liverpool. Well, one of the teams I'm sure you are expecting to beat is Brighton. You are up against them this weekend. And next, we're joined by Adam Stenning from the Brighton Argus. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by We Are West Ham, James Jones and Will Pugh. And yes, it is time for the opposition view. Delighted to say now I have Adam Stenning on the line from Brighton Argus. Adam, thank you for joining us. Fantastic result for Brighton on the weekend, beating Watford 3-0. Graham Potter, first match in charge. A lot was made of the appointment, obviously. Uh, a lot of fans thought that Chris Hewton should stay. Adam, are you pleased with Graham? Is this going to be a, f- a good time for Brighton? Um, yeah, I think I'm very pleased with the appointment. Um, personally, as someone who's followed the club for many years, um, as a fan, um, I just really wanted an English manager and someone... And Potter fits that really. So um, he's obviously an up-and-coming manager who's, you know, worked wonders with Ostersons over the years, and then gone and done work at Swansea last season. He's come in and sort of brought a fresh, fresh idea to the team, um, playing the three at the back, which um, seems to work very well at the weekend. And uh, yeah, I'm very pleased with how we started. So hopefully, it can continue. What? One more, one more. I mean, it's it's been something that we've we've spoke about for a long, long, long time as West Ham fans, and annoyingly so, our record against Brighton in the in the last few years. I'll, I'll be honest. Up until the the absolute serving that you gave to Watford at Vicarage Road at the weekend, I would have been quite confident going into the game that we were going to break that curse. But you, you know, looking from Brighton side of things, as as has Potter had the chance to change things really quickly or was it did everything just come together at once or would Watford really bad? What was it? Um, well, I think firstly he inherited a, a sort of very good squad that Chris Hutton already had there. There was a lot of quality in it um, and he's just added some players that fit into the style he wants to play and he's just slightly tweaked 
obviously the formation over pre-season. He's worked them hard and trained them into this formation. I think it just all paid off on the day, really. Um, I don't think Watford were at their worst. That um, They made a few mistakes, but I think really and truly, um, Brighton just weathered the storms where where they were sort of defending in their own box and doing a bit of hard work off the ball to get the ball back and then just hit them. The counter was very good, which we struggled with last season. We had sort of that raw pace on the counter-attack, especially second half when Andone and Mopay came on and um, that seemed to work wonders for us. So, yeah, I think it just it all came together on the day. I think a combination of the hard work over pre-season plus, you know, um, the players playing for Potter on the day. Adam, with full respect to Brighton, West Ham would have been looking at this game before the season started and thought, yep, Brighton-Watford is when we should be beating these teams, winning these games, getting six points. Brighton, many a favourite to go down this season. Now, we know football's a fickle sport. Managers hiring, firing, it's on a thread line. Now he's won. We're already talking about could be the next great English manager. Is this sort of the feeling that you get now with Brighton? Could they actually push on this uh, season? And what can West Ham expect this weekend? Well, I think, yeah, they can certainly push on. I think if Potter and Brighton keep playing the way that they have shown in that first game, then there's no reason why they couldn't beat a lot of teams in this league. I mean, obviously, the the sort of approach may change when you come against the sort of big six sides, because obviously when you go out attacking those sides, you can't really go out attacking those sides uh, all the time, because otherwise you might get found out quite quickly. So obviously that might change that approach. But I think West Ham can expect, obviously, I think three at the back again, I would be very surprised if he changed the side. Um, maybe the only change that I could see is maybe Andone or Mupe coming in. Obviously, they scored off the bench at the weekend and Trossard may well be involved. I don't know, but I, I highly doubt it the way Gross played. So, yeah, I think West Ham are going to have to expect um, an attack in Brighton, a team that will come out and attack you, especially at home with a good home support behind them. Um, being the first home game of the season. So, you know, I think they'll need to watch out for that and, and yeah, just be be aware of it because if they're not careful, they could end up conceding a couple of early goals and then, obviously, they're on the back foot. So, really and truly, yeah, they've got to be careful of that attacking from Brighton early doors. Adam, what's the, what's the deal with Trossard? Because all summer I've heard that, you know, Brighton have got themselves a nice little gem in, in Trossard and, you know, he's he's a real tricky little winger and, he, you know, he could cause a lot of players, a lot of other, you know, opposition players a lot of problems. But you just said that, you know, you'd be surprised if he starts because Pascal Gross is in ahead of him. Uh, that surprises me given, you know, all the hype that I've heard around, around this player in, in the summer. Um, well, yeah, he's looked very good over pre-season. I can't, I can't deny that he's, you know, he's played very well um, in the Valencia game that I watched. He did, he did very well. He's, you can see he's got quality on him. He's uh, the ball low center of gravity. The ball sort of sticks to his seat, and he can sort of take on players quite easily. But I think in that first game of the season, because he hadn't played much English football, and obviously Gross has played a couple of seasons here now, and maybe he's slightly better defensively. That's what Potter went with against a Watford side who obviously finished 11th last season and reached an FA Cup final. So I think he was sort of trying to get that balance between the attack and defence. And I think Gross offers a bit of both. I mean, obviously he doesn't have the pace that Trossard does, but I mean, it may change at home. He may think, well, we're at home, we might go out and attack them. That might be a different approach um, come Saturday. So Trossard may well get in there. But I think Gross did so well that um, 
on that right wing that he might well keep his place in there. Right, Adam, just one quick one then. How's Glenn Murray looking and how many is he going to score? Well, I think Glenn's looked pretty good over pre-season. He's chipped in with four over pre-season. I mean, Saturday he had a tough, tough day because obviously big physical centre-halves, Watford and Cathcart and Dawson. Um, but he did, I think maybe him and Lacardia with their physical ability sort of softened them up and then the pace of Mapei and Andone um, caused them problems when they came on um, and when Watford defenders were a bit more tired. But I think, yeah, Glenn always scores goals and he seems to be getting better with age. It doesn't matter how old he is, he seems to still be performing at the top level, which he cannot ask for and he looks after himself and he's got the right attitude about him. So I can't see why he can't go and, you know, score as many goals as last season. If not, he might go and better that, which is the way he's done since he's got back into the Premier League. So, yeah, he's a real handful, but we've got so many good strikers at the minute. I mean, Mapay and Andone, and we've got Lacardi there, who's showing a bit more promise than he did last season. So, really and truly, we've got a lot of good strikers on our hands. So, um, he'll have to be careful, because if he goes through a goalless run at any point, then he's got a lot of pressure on him now. Adam, just very quickly then, score prediction for this weekend. I think I'm going to go Brighton 3-1. Pretty confident. You've not made any friends here, Adam, but we really appreciate you coming on. Adam standing there from the Brighton Argus. James will, of course, it is that time. Score prediction against Brighton this weekend. I'll have a 3-1 then, but obviously a reverse. <laughs> I was going to say 3-1 what, West Ham. Yeah. 3-1 West Ham, Murray scores one. Uh, I'm, I just hate coming up against bogey teams, um, but we did end our bogey team against Everton last year. We beat them away from home. So, do you know what? I'm going to say 2-1 West Ham. I'm going to say 1 all. Oh, oh. See you later. Right. <laughs> Listen, I'll make friends next week. Because if I say 1-1, one, one, then you go and beat him next week. We're all friends again and it's a happy studio. Yeah. Right? Yeah? yeah. All right. All right. We'll... <laughs> nah, congratulations. No one's friends here. This is We Are West Ham. We hope we beat Brighton next weekend. We'll see you next week. This is Love Sport. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.